0: To the book of Micah this morning, Micah chapter number one, and uh, we'll give you just a moment to find your place there uh, in the Word of God. And uh, you know that's over in the Old Testament in the Minor Prophets. So give you just a moment to find your place. And I was praying this morning about what the Lord would have me to preach and. I got up this morning early and was just uh, seeking the Lord's face and uh, God dealt with me about this message and dealt with me about what I'm going to preach on tonight and so I I hope you'll come back tonight as well, but I believe that God is going to do something in our hearts. Amen. Amen. And Micah chapter number one, if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the word of God and prayer, Micah chapter number one and we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible said the word of the Lord that came to Micah the Moristhite in the days of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah kings of Judah which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear all ye people, hearken O earth and all that therein is and let the word of God be witness against you uh, and let the Lord God be witness against you saith the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him and the valleys shall be cleft and as wax before fire and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would give us the words and the wisdom to speak this morning the Word of God. I pray that you would deal with every heart. No doubt this morning there's somebody here that needs to be saved. And I pray the Holy Ghost would convict them and draw them to an altar of repentance. And may they be born in the family of God. Thank you for your presence, Lord, that we have felt in the singing this morning. And I pray now, may the will of God be done. And we'll love you and we'll praise you and we'll thank you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice that the book of Micah is divided into three sections. If you was to look at verse number two, uh, you'll notice that the the first section is where the word of God says, "Hear all ye people and then in chapter three in verse number one Micah says, "Here I pray you Then in chapter six in verse number one he says, "Hear ye now what the Lord saith so all throughout this book here God is using the prophet to get the people Attention. He wants them to listen. He wants them to hear what it is that he has to say. I want to tell you this morning, we're blessed that God would want to speak to us and want us to hear what he would have to say. And when we come to this text this morning, God is going to announce a coming judgment on the people of God. He is going to deal with both the north, northern, and the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel. He's going to deal with Samaria and deal with Judah. And we know that Samaria would be the northern kingdom. Judah would be the southern kingdom. And in chapter number 1 here, uh, we'll see the prophet in verse number 1. We see the punishment in verses 2 down through verse number 7. And then we see the pining in verse number 8 down to verse number 16. As the people are going to weep and they're going to mourn uh, uh, because of the judgment of God that is going to come upon them. Notice with me in verse number 1. I want you to see the mandate. As the Bible said The word of the Lord that came You see that is the mandate that God gives uh, It is the word of God Our mandate does not come from Washington Our mandate does not come from some man-made headquarters this morning uh, But our mandate comes uh, uh, from this blessed old book Amen And we not only notice the mandate But we see the man, Micah Is mentioned here in verse number 1 He is the, Mor- uh, the Morsethite, the Bible said And the Bible talks about his name his name simply means who is like Jehovah amen I'm telling you there's nobody like Jehovah this morning brother I want to tell you there's a lot of kings and there's a lot of captains around this world but Jehovah God is the king of kings he is God almighty amen he is the captain of the captains this morning he is the lord of lords he is the sovereign of the sovereign amen and we notice of uh, the man here, uh, God always has a man that's going to stand in the he- uh, stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Uh, notice uh, he mentions not only his name, but he gives his neighborhood. Uh, he's a Morseite uh, uh, The Bible talks about that little town, uh, and that's a town that was southwest of Judea, uh, there in the Northern Kingdom. And God uh, is raising him up. Notice the moment as he mentions these kings here, he talks about. Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Uh, Jotham was a fair king we could say. Uh, Ahaz was a wicked king uh, and Hezekiah was 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 one of the better kings uh, of the kings uh, of, the, of the Judah. And so we notice that God uh, has this man here in verse number one uh, and it proves that the office of a, politi- or of a preacher is greater than the office of a politician. For when God had something to say, he didn't not say it through a king. He did not say it through a politician. But he raised up a prophet. That's God's mouthpiece. He raised up a man to deliver a message. And we notice here not only this moment, but I want you to notice the manifestation. The Bible says in verse number one, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Samaria being the northern kingdom. Uh, Jerusalem, my friend, representing uh, uh, Judah, that southern kingdom here. And what happens is, is, my friend, that Micah, uh, God raises him up. Uh, God gives him a message. Uh, uh, That message, we'll see, is a message of judgment. And God is going to deliver it to his people. Amen. Amen. Micah saw the sins, the present sins of his nation. You know, this morning... God God does not give divine revelation now we have uh, all that we need a full canon of the scriptures Um, but God takes that full canon of the scriptures uh, and God still gives his man a message uh, uh, to preach that is current for the day and hour in which we're living in I think the book of Micah is a very current book even though it's a historical book that also speaks about prophetic days. but yet it is a current book uh, uh, that deals with the present time in which we are living in. You see, when Micah saw the sin of Samaria, when he saw the sin of Judah, what he saw was the sin of immorality. He saw the sin of idolatry. He saw lying and cheating and drunkenness. He saw the misrepresentation of politicians and the misuse, my friend, of power. Does that not sound like the country that we're living in today? And Micah is raised up. To bring this message of judgment. Look at verse 2. I want you to see the hearing part of verse 2. He said, hear all you people. You know, this morning I wonder how many of us will listen to what's being said. Not get our minds on food or not get our minds on uh, uh, schedules. Not get our minds on other things. But did you come this morning to church to listen to what's been said? You ought to never sit around and talk in church. Somebody say amen. You ought to pay attention. That's for singing and preaching and everything. Uh, Listen, you ought to be focused uh, uh, while you're at the house of God. You say, why? Because God has something he wants to say to you. And you're to listen to what he has to say. There's the hearing part of this verse. There's the hearkening part. Notice what he said. Hear all you people look. Hearken, O earth. In other words, God just don't want us to listen. He wants us to live. What we hear. When you hearken, what does that mean? It means you obey. There's a lot of people that may hear, but they don't obey. They don't want to put in shoe leather what has been said. And the message here, there's a hearing part, but there's a hearkening part. Hey, there's a twofold fold question this morning for me and you. Will I listen to what's been said, and will I live out the instructions that God gives me? There's a hearing part. There's a hearkening part. But notice this morning, there's a harming part. Look what God said. It's what I want to preach on this morning. He said, and let the Lord God be witness, notice this, against you. The Lord from his holy temple. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject when God takes the witness stand. Oh, when God takes the witness stand. You see, Israel is under the judgment of God. And what verse number 2 reminds us uh, is that Micah not only promises judgment to this nation, but he promises divine visitation for this judgment that God is going to bring this judgment about. Now, he's going to use the Assyrians, uh, but as he says in Isaiah 10 and verse 22, the Assyrians are going to be a tool. They're going to be a rod in the hand of God that he's going to use, uh, not to judge the sinners, uh, but to judge the saints. Uh, You know where judgment's going to begin? It's going to begin at the house of God. And God is more upset this morning with the sinfulness of saints uh, than he is the sinfulness of sinners. Uh, I'm telling you, God is upset with abortion. Uh, God is upset, my friend, uh, with sodomy. And God is upset with drunkenness. And he is upset with all the immorality that's taking place in our country. But he's more upset with apathy. He's more upset with complacency. He's more upset, my friend, with backsliding. And world And lukewarmness, God is more upset with the saints than He is the sinners. Both will be punished. And the the tragedy of our nation this morning is not because of the sinners; it's because of the saints. What we're reaping in Washington is just that—it is the seeds that have been sown in our pews and in our pulpits. Now, we don't like to hear that. We want to blame them. I and mean, I get my blood boils over the wickedness of politicians uh, uh, this morning and all that they're doing. Uh, uh, but can I tell you this morning, the reason we're in trouble is because the church has been rocked to sleep uh, and the church has let down her standard. Uh, and the church, my friend, has quit being that uh, she's lost her savor her in her salt. Uh, she has hit her light. Uh, she has backed up uh, uh, just like this nation here and God. God is holding his people responsible for the sins God is going to take the witness stand I want to tell you this morning when the judge takes a witness stand and witnesses against you you know you're in trouble can I get an amen right there and this witness this morning in chapter one is prophetic. It is public, but it is also personal. This morning, a judgment, my friend, uh, and this uh, is certain uh, when the judge takes the witness stand, uh, and we'll see here that God uh, is going, my friend, to judge His people. And just as sure as I'm standing here this morning, uh, America has went from being one nation under God to being one nation under the judgment of God. This morning, how? Uh, the hope of America is sitting right here in these pews this morning. God must get our attention. God must wake us up. God must get us out of our comfort zone. God must speak in our hearts. We got to hear. We got to hearken or we're going to pay the price this morning. When God takes the witness stand, I want you to see in verse number three the sureness of this. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his Place he he is coming down out of his holy temple. He is coming out of his place and notices and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. Uh, this judgment this morning, God and see witnesses. Uh, he said this divine visitation of this judgment upon the nation is for sure this morning. You mark it down. What's happening around our country is not by chance or circumstance. Uh, it is nothing more, uh, my friend, than the divine judgment of God. Being brought upon our land from the tornadoes to the wildfires to the floods, to the blizzards, to the hurricanes. Uh, I'm telling you this morning to the school shootings uh, and the mass shootings. uh, uh, My friend, to all of the liberties that are being taken away uh, and the heritage that is being erased. uh, uh, We're losing. They lost their land in chapter 2. And in the losing of their land, they lost their heritage. uh, And that's what's happening in America this morning. Uh, uh, The judgment is sure this morning. Would it wake us up? I see the seriousness of this judgment. Look at verse number four. I see the seriousness of this judgment. And the mountains shall be molten under him and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. Uh, God said I'm going to melt this uh, I'm going to melt this nation from one end to the other. I'm going to put you through the fire uh, I'm going to put you through the uh, through the purging process uh, I'm going to tell you no matter what happens in this country uh, uh, brother there'll still be a Bible thumping crowd somewhere so, uh, uh, but it's going to get serious uh, you think we've seen something we hadn't seen anything yet Yet. And God said, I'm going to turn the heat up huh, on you, Samaria, huh, because of your immorality and because of your idolatry. Hey, there's as much immorality going on in our churches today as there is in Washington right now. Yeah. Pulpit and pews, y'all with me, aren't you? Brother, we still need to preach on adultery. I don't know why I felt such a, a need here lately to mention that in the services uh, but I'm telling you adultery destroys a home, uh, it destroys a church, uh, it destroys lives, uh, it destroys a marriage uh, it destroys children At uh, it's immoral uh, and then listen we live in a time when it seems like almost anything is acceptable but the Bible says it's still good for a man not to touch a woman uh, I know that marriage is honorable and all and the bed is undefiled uh, but God give you a wife uh, and my friend you're to love your wife the Bible says uh, uh, but my friend adultery is not acceptable Uh, God said that that the the reproach will never be wiped away and God still counts it a sin this morning fornication is sin sex outside the bonds of marriage it my friend it deals with all types of immorality sexual sins fornication deals with adultery it deals with premarital sex it deals my friend with sodomy it engulfs everything you young people listen to me you be pure when you walk down to the marriage altar you keep your life pure you keep the standard up you keep the boundaries healed you keep the opportunities away you live your life where there's accountability on every level. I'm telling you fornication has destroyed a lot of young people. It's a sin against the body and God deals with it because of the seriousness of it. That's why young men and young ladies and even adult men and adult ladies ought to dress in a modest fashion. Isn't that right? Y'all not advertise. Can I get an amen right there? Don't swallow your tonsils because I said that. Hey man, you can take preaching a little bit harder than that, can't you? Amen. Amen. Don't act shocked. If you got a television, don't you act one bit like you're surprised. The filth and the perversion and the immorality. And they laugh and they mock at sin and sex is on everything that you look at. And then people come to the house of God and say, Well, preacher ought not say that. He ought not deal with that. That's a problem in this country, amen. Is that it's at an all time high because men of God quit dealing with it, Amen? I think you ought to keep it right and tight, don't you? What we don't preach on will overtake us. Sure it's the world. And God still holds. Hey, listen, you can't, you can't sin in an immoral way and get by with it. God will not let you get by with it. I'm telling you, pornography is wicked. And if you got problems with pornography, number one, you need to get right with God. Number two, you need to get some accountability in your life. And number three, you need to get rid of whatever devices or whatever things it is that is a weakness in your life. Amen. You'd overcome it this morning. You'd ask God to help you with it. It is a problem in this nation. You can't even go to the grocery store without seeing naked women on the covers of magazines. I mean, you're better off if you're standing in the grocery line don't even look down. Amen. I'm telling you can drive through town and you'll see a, a billboard with a half-dressed man or a half-dressed woman and the problem with it is nobody blushes at it anymore because we've seen so much of it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it ought to bother us uh, and men of God ought to preach against it. Amen. Hey, that's why when you go to church you ought to look like you're going to church uh, and it's not just for church. You ought to dress as holy on Monday it's what you do on Sunday the standard ought to not change one bit I'm talking about seven days a week you ought to be a Christian everywhere you go and you ought to look like a Christian amen we used to have to preach on tight clothes on women now we got to preach them on young men that's right these little peewee Herman suits you know, they're so tight they can't walk they got to waddle amen And these sodomites, they want us to look like sodomites. Amen. Hey, our clothes are to be loose. Can I get an amen? Now, mine's a little bit tight this morning. uh, uh, But I'll tell you, it's because of a little bit of overeating. Can I get an amen right there? Uh, But thank God I can walk like a man this morning. uh, And I knew ought to walk like a man if you're a man. And if you're a lady, you ought to wear your clothes. Uh, They ought to be long. They ought to be loose. Uh, Hey, they ought to be covered up. They ought to not be see-through. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, friend, you ought to want to hide uh, yourself. Amen. Clothes were made to conceal the body, not reveal the body. But because of Hollywood and because of their fashions and because of all the immoral, perverted sodomites today, listen. You can put on a listen. You can go buy your size in clothing, and all of a sudden now it looks like you've been poured into it. I'm not out of words. I'm just taking a breath. I'm giving some people some time to get there. Amen. You go to the average church nowadays, they don't say anything. Let them get up and sing. Let them get up and teach Sunday school. And flesh showing. Brother, I'm telling you, you go to the house of God. I'm telling you, we ought to cover our flesh. Amen. I'm telling you, those blouses ought to be up and those skirts ought to be below the knee. Can I get an amen right there? I'm telling you, no lines ought to be showing, amen. I'm telling you, for the men, uh, uh, brother, listen, you don't have, listen, you don't get over these muscle shirts. You're not the the macho muscle man uh, that that shirt wants you to say. It may say tap out, amen, but it's about to tip over is what it is. uh, And you just need to go ahead and get with the program and just understand this morning, uh, uh, you don't got the six pack. You might be working on a keg, uh, but you don't got the six pack you think you got this morning. uh, You're not impressing nobody, amen. Uh, You're not, listen, nobody's, looking at your body or the way you think and if they are I promise you they're the wrong person amen you say preacher why are you preaching there because of the seriousness of this judgment I know it's Christmas time but I want to have revival don't you and we still need modesty and we still need decency and we still need holiness and we still need righteousness amongst the saints amen I'm telling you, if a sinner walked in the doors this morning, we don't care how they're dressed. Can I get an amen? Now, they won't put that on one of their podcasts. They'll take some excerpt of something I said this morning, and but but I don't give. Listen, I don't give a good glory rip what a bunch of uh, listen uh, uh, lost liberals think about it this morning. Uh, I'm trying to help somebody get in the right way. Uh, I'm not worried about some, my reputation. I'm not worried about what somebody's going to say. I'm interested, my friend, in getting somebody over the Jordan and keeping a church in the last days uh, that'll go on for the glory of God. Amen. We got to keep it right around here. Don't you ever get mad if you hear me get up and say something about clothing. And if you rebel against it, I'm just going to go and tell you, God may bring something on you. You say, you try trying to put fear on me. If I can, I will. But I'm just telling you what that book says. Amen. You blow up and get mad because I want you to dress right in the choir. And you say, well, I'm going to wear what I want to. God may put you six foot under for that. Amen and amen and amen this morning. I'm talking about the seriousness of judgment. You say, well, you're just a man. I sure am, but I'm God's man preaching God's book this morning, and you better take heed and hearken and heed what's being said. I'm telling you what saved my life down through the years is listening to the men of God. They may have preached me down an altar. They may have preached me down an aisle, down an aisle, down in an altar, but they never preached me out the door, amen, because I knew they was right. I got so much liberty, I could preach till one o'clock this morning. Hallelujah. I feel like just plowing sin up. I, I feel like preaching on everything. Amen. It's still right to live, right, do, right, dress, right, spit, what? It's still in that book. Hallelujah. The only thing going to keep our churches afloat in these last days is some old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone sin-killing preaching. Because we are under the judgment of God in this land. And friend, it's not a time. It's a time that's going to separate the men from the boys. But it's not a time to be a noodle bag. It's not time to compromise. It's not time to roll over and give in like they did in chapter 2 and 3. I tell you, it's time to stand up and be counted. It's time to plow on and preach on for the glory of God. I'm telling you this morning, holiness always brings revival. And if we're going to have revival, we're going to have to do right. Amen. Amen. You might be here this morning and say, well, I don't think it's that big of a deal. The seriousness. God was upset with their immorality. How about it today? When anything goes in the modern church, I mean, they're bringing things in the house of God that 35 years ago sinners had more conviction about than a lot of people sitting in church. I'm going to tell you why, because we got churches that are being run by by the people rather than by God. That's what Laodicean means. It means ruled by the people. God never intended the people to rule. And the preacher doesn't rule either, by the way. The preacher is to get on his knees and seek the face and will of God. And he has to do what God says, not what he wants. Amen? And any preacher worth his salt knows that. This morning, I I tell you, you worry about you. And you let me worry about me. And let's worship God and let God lead everywhere one of us this morning I see the seriousness of a judgment then the summary look at verse number five for the transgression of Jacob is all of this and for the sins of the house of Israel what is the transgression of Jacob is it not Samaria Samaria What are the high places of Judah? That's the idolatry. Are they not in Jerusalem? That's the place of worship. You know what they did? They brought idol worship into God. They traded old time worship, which was Old Testament worship, which was the way that God set it up. And they traded old time worship for a different style, a different type of worship that was idol worship. What is idol worship in and of itself? Can I tell you what it is? It is worship of one's self. That's what it is. I don't care if it's a 90 foot golden statue or if it's a piece of wood about this tall. Idol worship is man making his own way, worshiping what he wants to worship who ultimately in the end, why it so satisfies him to worship an idol uh, rather than than the true God is because idol worship is self-worship. That's why people Wanna make everything about them. And when they get up to sing, they they want to be seen. That's why there's so much self promotion that's going on and it's not ministry, but it's industry. The purpose of that is so that they will be seen. And God said, you have brought this stuff into Jerusalem. You have brought it into the holy place. You have brought it to the place of worship. You see, there is a responsibility, and I think you'll agree with this this morning. We have a responsibility to not let what they do out there become what happens in here. That's why we're not having a Super Bowl Sunday, ever Ever, ever, never, ever. And I know you'll say amen, but it just makes me feel good to say ever, never, ever, ever. We're not having Super Bowl Sunday. We're not having trunk or treat. Oh, we'll give them the gospel. Go give them the gospel. I don't need to put on a mask and dress like a devil, amen. To, my friend, to, that's a wart theology if you ask me. We're not doing that. We're not. Well, listen. We're not having frontline singers and dance teams, and and we're not destroying the choir and tearing down a pulpit, uh, and we're not getting some cool dude, amen, up here, uh, up, my friend, uh, uh, trying to be hip and trying to be. no, we need a man of God that'll preach. Uh, we need a choir that'll sing. Uh, we need people that'll pray. Uh, we need somebody that'll be hungry, amen. Uh, I'm talking about friend, uh, We're going to keep it just like it's always been. Uh, uh, God said, "Keep Jerusalem the way Jerusalem has been, uh, but you brought your eyes into Jerusalem specifics you know what's interesting to me about verse 6 and verse 7 is that God is very specific about what they did he said therefore I'll make Samaria as a heap of the field this is God's people and it's planting of vineyards drunkenness and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley and I will discover the foundations thereof Notice this, and all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces. And all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire. And all the idols thereof will I lay desolate for she gathered it of the hire of an harlot. And they shall return to the hire of a harlot. When God takes the witness stand, God not only pronounces the judgment, uh, but he tells what the judgment is going to be. God said, I'm going to take every idol you've got, and he said, I'm going to destroy <coughs> that idol. <coughs> what is that <coughs> in America today? It is the idol, the God of money, the God of mammon, amen, of prosperity has brought, my friend, a spiritual decay in our nation this morning, uh, not just with the world, but with the people of God, to the point that many places... Uh, have deemed spiritual success by how big of a building, how big of a bank account. I'm telling you this morning, we could have millions in the bank as a church and be spiritually bankrupt this morning. It's never been about the facilities. It's never been about the crowd. It's never been about the money. But I'm telling you the trouble in our nation today is that we've done exactly what they've done. We've allowed the God of mammon to rule many people's lives. There's nothing wrong with buying a shotgun or buying a bass boat or any of that stuff. You know that. But there is something wrong when you claim to be a Christian and you have all the toys and all the things, but you don't tithe. There'd be no revival without tithing. Brother Percy Ray, when he would go in and preach revivals on Monday night, the first message many times he would preach would be on tithing. Because he would say, if people will rob God, we can never have revival. Oh, but Brother Gravely, you're just trying to get more money. No, I'm trying to get you right with God this morning. We don't need your money. Your money's not that important. I've seen people come through this church and and drop a big, I I remember a man years ago approached me and he said, he he wanted me to back up on something. I said, we can't do that. And in that, con- in that conversation, this is what he said to me. He said, well, you know how much I give. I said, I don't care how much you give. We're not changing. He left and guess what? God sent three families in the next week to make up what he gave. You're not going to bankrupt God's work. Are you all still with me? You're not going to bankrupt God's work. I'm telling you, God's always took care of his work. Amen. If he's got to write a check from the third heaven and deposit it in our account, don't think twice that he can't do it. He knows how to take care of his children. He's been doing it all down through the years. He's going to take care of the church. Hey, we mind, we may wind up in a field somewhere so on a stunt preaching amen, sitting out, but it'll be alright. Our God will still pass by. Our souls will still be saved. I'm telling you, the God of man has got the heart of a lot of people and They got time to spend money on everything else but the Lord's work. How about the God of entertainment this morning? Yesterday, all across this country, 30 and 60,000 people filled coliseums. I'm not against them doing that. But in those crowds, there were people that drove hours Paid no telling what for a ticket. Wore colors. Watched a graven image be pushed out on the field and, and chanted its name. Can't even go to Sunday school. Don't tell me it ain't a God in this world. I preached it in the great state of Alabama and I'll preach it in the great state of Georgia. And if it hairlips the whole crowd, so be it. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, you say you're against it, I'm against people worshiping that outfit. I don't care if it's baseball, football. If you sit in church and you watch anything on, on your phone during the house of God, God help your sorry soul get in the altar this morning and get right with God. Church ought to be more to that than you. Can I get an amen? And if that makes you mad, it's because you're guilty this morning. And I read your title and I'm going to read it again and again and again. Amen. It's a reason we don't have revival. It's because we. it's not that we're just enjoying a little entertainment. It's got a hold of you, friend. It's become a God. It's become an idol in your life. You say preacher is it wrong to play football well, I know it's not wrong To have a little bit of entertainment When it's wrong when it's got your heart so much That you're so dedicated That you don't count the hours And you don't count how much it costs But when it comes to the house of God It seems like every second You just can't wait to leave church Amen Same crowd that will paint their body All kinds of colors and scream to their horse On Sunday morning If they go to church the next day He'll sit there like a wooden Indian with heavy eyes. wonder. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm weighed out in it, but I feel so good in my soul right now. I feel like I'm plowing fertile ground right now. I'm just telling you this morning uh, The reason we got too many gods uh, I'm just naming some gods The God of money The God of entertainment It's not just football I'm telling you then it's basketball Then it's baseball And then it's soccer I'm telling you it's uh, it's just about every kind of ball You can think of Uh, If you threw a ball off into hell uh, 65 or 75% of the Baptists would go after it Because they love it so much Uh, They love it But what about uh, a prayer meeting Uh, What about Wednesday night Uh, and what about soul winning and what about reading your Bible and what about time in prayer I'm not condemning you I just want you to see how far off the spectrum we become my friend when people can get all worked up about everything else in the entertainment world but they can't even testify in church amen am I telling the truth this morning the specifics God wants us to be specific the God What about the the God of video games? I used to, you know young people, I'm going to give you a pass this morning. Because I used to preach that to young people and then I found out adults do it. I had a man one time, I read on social media where he won a race and I actually thought he won a race. Talked about how long he had been uh, racing and and how long he had been in it. And and I thought, man, I didn't know that guy raced. He didn't look like a race. I thought he did dirt track race or, or, you know, motorcycle race. You know, I I thought, man, he doesn't look like But I thought, yeah, I reckon he did it. You know, I ran into that guy about six months later at a church. And uh, I said, man, I saw where you you won a race. And he said, yeah. He said, it took me about three years uh, in that. It was very intense. And we were standing there talking. Five minutes were in that conversation, Brother Caleb. And then he told me, he said, yeah, I had to buy this special helmet, you know, because of the glare of the television. Brother, I would have gave $100 myself to have seen my face. (laughs) When it dawned on me that this guy's never been in a race car in his life. Forty years old playing video games. You know why we're in trouble? That's 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 the mess we're dealing with today. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I know what it's talking about. but There's a good principle there. But when you become a man, can I get an amen right there? Can I just go so far as to say this and I'll probably lose a few more in this statement. Men don't play video games. Amen. I'm not saying if you play a little Atari Pac-Man, I'm not going to fall out with you. But I'm telling you if, you, if you spend hours in front of a television screen uh, living in some fantasy world uh, to gain some victory, that don't pay nothing, uh, they, don't, they don't produce nothing. Uh, God help your sorry self. Go get your shovel and start digging a ditch so you can be a man. Hallelujah. Grow up a little bit. Find something better to do with your time. It's in that text somewhere. <laughs> I'm having too much fun to quit. Take them things off your phone. Grow up. Men don't, that would probably be the quote that everybody remember me from when I'm dead. That's about as good of a quote as I've got. Men don't play video games. Remember that. You boys write it somewhere down. You don't even put my name on it, but write it down. Men, you're boys, but men, 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 don't play video games. Well, for the few that are still listening, I'm just telling you why we're in so much trouble. I'll tell you why we're dealing with a demon-possessed society, why, we, why you can't get people to cross the realm of reality, of their soul and where they're at. I'm going to tell you why. They've lived in fantasy land too long. You can't get them to cross over. But you know the devil uses things. And I want to say this morning the specifics. Look at the sorrow. Look at verse 8. I'm headed to one final thought. Therefore will I wail and howl. I will go stripped and naked. I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. Why? For the wound is incurable. This judgment's coming. For it is coming to Judah he is coming to the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. God said this. God said, I'm going all the way to Jerusalem's gate. I'm going to bring this judgment. And this morning you listen to me. It ought to drive me. It ought to drive all of us to our knees this morning. When I think about the condition of America, it is so easy for me, listen to me, it's easy for me to blame Washington. When God said, no, The blame is in the pulpits and the pews of America. When God takes the witness stand, it's going to be against His own people because of their apathy, their complacency. I would dare say this morning that when you think about it, we don't weep like we used to. In the average church, they want to be entertained. A lot of people, they don't want to hear Bible preaching. That's all you got to offer them. They're not interested. <clears throat> I'm not against this in and of itself, understand, but they want an object lesson. We need a big screen to drop down and project <coughs> images while the preacher is preaching. I'm not against that in Sunday school. We, we use PowerPoints. Visual aids are important. But I'm telling you, when it comes to preaching, it comes to faith in the written word and hearing what has been Said, not what you see. And this morning, I don't need Hollywood to help the Word of God be preached. I don't need the internet. I'm not against a Bible study. Don't, don't take it out of context this morning. I'm not against a preacher uh, teaching through the book of Revelation and if he uses charts and images, by no means am I saying I'm against that. But what I'm saying is that we have come to the place in society that when the average person walks through the doors, and I don't think I'm preaching to average people this morning by no means, but I'm talking about in the average church, uh, if we don't have something set up to, to entertain, to catch their mind, to uh, to catch their attention, then they're not interested. And I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about people that are looking for a church. Finally, I want you to see one last verse. I didn't read the rest of the chapter, but in verses 10 through 15, God starts calling names. The Lord names places. He calls them out. And I want you to look at verse number 16. I think it's one of the most important verses in this chapter. He said, make thee bald and poll thee for thy delicate children. That simply means that's what they would do. They would shave their head and that pole they would roll in the dust. It was a sign of mourning. And God said this to him. He said, Samaria and Judah, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to shave your head, make thee bald, and pull thee uh, for thy delicate children. Enlarge thy baldness as the eagle. Why? Look at this. Talking about the children. For they are gone into captivity from thee. i tell you what ought to drive us to our knees this morning, pastor included. Why we should so desperately want to maintain a church that stays in the spirit of revival, and why we should want to have godly homes and holiness in our homes, and why we should be why we should be so why we should be so desiring to live dedicated, consecrated lives, and raise those type of children. I'm going to tell you why. Because if we don't, every one of them, every one of these little children you see this morning, that little baby you're holding right there, God said they're going into captivity. This morning the hope for America is the church. Brother Gravely, why do you want to have revival on December? Because we need it. I, I, December to remember, that's what this month is. I like Christmas trees. I like, I, I'm glad we're having a. How many of y'all thank God we're having a meal this morning? I like, I, hey, I like ham and turkey, don't you? Now you may not like both, but I like both of them. I, I like something that shoots my blood pressure up and something that maybe brings it back down i I like it all, don't you i like all i I like all that food over unless you brought green beans. you know I hate that, but I like almost every bit of that food it's over there. I like Christmas time. I like the play they're going to do Wednesday night the small the twelve the 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 big play i I like this time of see passing out all those. Candy bags that we didn't get to pass out that we're going to do this week. We've been, but I like all that. I like the parade, the floats, to tell people about Jesus. But we need revival this morning. And if we don't have revival, and you can be in a good church, but if you don't have revival, I'll tell you what'll happen: your children are going to captivity. I don't have to elaborate this morning that they want all these children. They don't care about us. They're not changing us for the most part. But they're out to change that generation right there. Indoctrination. Shame them to silence. Mask them up and shoot them up with every kind of vaccine we can think of to immobilize their brains. I'll tell you who's brainwashing. It's not us. It's just wicked, demonic society. And I don't know why God put it in my heart here in the last few weeks to burn their hide up about it. Preach against it. Call it out. Don't leave a stone unturned. I mean, just let it all go. Name it all this morning. You know why? It brings revival. Because it brings repentance. One of these days god's taken a witness stand he already has against this nation and against this church and in these last days i don't want to cool down to do you i don't want to i don't want to stay with the old stuff and this morning i don't want to see another generation i feel i feel sorry and i mean this and I think you do too don't you feel sorry for millennials I feel sorry for the for what they're having to deal with, what they're having to face. And they're going to have to make decisions about things that we never had to make decisions about. Foolish things. Like, am I a boy or a girl? Come on. That's where we're at today. That's not even real to me and you. Because we grew up in a different hour. Oh, but to them, it's being shoved down their throats Every single day, isn't it? And I think the only thing that's going to keep them in the right way is godly parents. And I commend every parent in this church this morning. Thank you. You obviously, you want the old time way or you wouldn't be here. It's going to take godly parents and then it's going to take old fashioned preaching. To, have to, to give them the fortitude to look that crowd in the face and say, That's not right. This is right. Amen. To look at a liberal, loose crowd who many of them may not even be saved and say, That way's not right. This way's right. How do you know it's right? Because the Bible says so. My parents raised me this way, and my preacher preached it that way. And it's true this morning as we stand. If you need to come to the altar,